Thank you, thank you very much. Hey, it's good to see all of you. I have not had the chance to say a personal hello to everyone in the seats today or online, but my name is Dan Meyer, and I am the uh, lead pastor of this church now for 25 years, which I started when I was six years old. I've really come a long way. And uh, if you were part of our celebration last week, um, thank you so much for coming to join in that. God has done some amazing things over these last couple of decades, and he is not done. We have got a marvelous season ahead of us as a church family, and if you're just entering into the circle anew today, or maybe uh, in recent days, uh, we need you. We are so excited to uh, partner with you in having an influence upon uh, individuals, families, the needs of our world. Uh, so I hope you'll keep coming and sharing in that time with us. I do want to observe, though, today that there's probably nothing so influential, so beautiful, so powerful as a mother's hope, as a mother's hope. And we were celebrating that today. We are really honoring uh, those who have helped pour into our lives in, in a way that has built up our hope I think of the story of the um, uh, young man whose name was Pablo, and Pablo was being asked about the influence of his mom upon him, and he said, my mom had a gigantic shaping influence on my life. She was always believing in me. She said, son, if you become a soldier, you'll rise to become a general. If you enroll your life as a monk, you'll be pope someday. I chose, said Pablo, to become a painter and became Picasso. <laughs> Such is the power of the hope that that mom invested in the gifts of her child. In one of the Apostle Paul's most famous writings, I'm sure you've heard it uh, at weddings and other places over the years, Paul says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. In other words, love of the very highest kind, the most influential kind of love, is a kind of love that bears burdens for you, that, that believes in the potential in you, that longs for the very best for you and never ever gives up on you, no matter how difficult or bad things may get in moments for you. And so when God is trying to describe to us what that love looks like in the flesh, uh, at one moment in the Old Testament, when God is trying to remind the children of Israel of, of the nature of the love that he has for them, he speaks through the prophet of Isaiah these particular words. And it's important to understand that these words are being spoken to the nation of Israel at the time when they have messed up badly. They are not fulfilling their potential. They found their way into exile. They're going through tremendous hardship in their life. And they would perhaps have every reason to think that God had given up on them. And God speaks through Isaiah these words. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I want to suggest to you that at her best, no one communicates a hope-filled, hope-bearing, hope-infusing kind of love as marvelously 
as a mom can. I remember how many times I felt that influence in my own life. Uh, I uh, think of those days when I would come home from school, even elementary or middle school, and I would have had a rough day. Maybe I, I had a conflict with one of my peers or things didn't go well on the playground or I, I messed up on one of my assignments and I was really dejected. And I lived at the end of this really, really long dirt road. I would walk home from school on many of those days just sort of feeling hangdog. And I'd walk into our house and there was my mom. And she would just pour into me and she would just lift me up. She just helped me see a larger perspective that, that, that changed my life for good. I think of um, the influence of my stepmother upon me. Uh, Patty Ann uh, was a person, is a person of tremendous practical common sense. In fact, I talked on the phone with her this very morning. And, and many, many times we've been in conversations as I'm sort of puzzling through uh, situations with my own kids, and she just speaks these words of wisdom that renew my hope and just give me a, a, a sense that I can do this, that there's a way through this uh, in a marvelous way. I remember when I was back in college, and uh, I was a senior in college. I was crazy in love with this girl who was crazy, out of love with me, and interested in another guy. And, and she dumped me at a party and went with, away with this other guy. And it just, like, wrecked me. It really wrecked me. And uh, I don't know who I shared. I think I probably shared that with one of my parents, that this had not gone well for me. And they shared it with my grandmother. And my grandmother is on the phone with me. And she says, Dan, there are plenty of fish left in the sea. And I'm telling you, we're going fishing. We're going on spring break to Florida together, my grandmother said. And, and I, right, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a college, I'm a college senior, and I go on spring break to Jupiter Island, Florida with my grandmother. <laughs> it was a great time. And it just lifted my hopes and gave me a sense, you know, that uh, maybe there is somebody else out there for me. And by God's grace, uh, one of the great mothers in my life, my own wife, Amy, uh, has just so blessed me. You know, I, I'm going to guess that if I could take a microphone out to you, you'd have a story of, of someone that just was one of the hope givers in your life. Some woman that, that just had the capacity to encourage you, to believe in you, to hope for you in a way that really made, made a difference. And, and even if, if you have not had that experience, and I know that that's true for some people, that, that, that they go through periods of time where, where they wonder, gosh, you know... Um, why didn't I get more of this in my life? I want to just say to you, God loves you like this, great mom. Uh, in fact, God's words to Israel, you could just take those as words for you today. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And then there's another line in there I didn't give you before in which... Uh, God says through the prophet Isaiah, though she may forget, though a human mother might sometimes forget to, to love you in the way that you needed to lo be loved, though she might forget, I will not forget you, says God. And then, and then he goes on uh, in, in history to fulfill that commitment in a marvelous way that makes new sense of the last line that the prophet Isaiah spoke and, and, and we get this example of God pouring out his very life's blood upon a cross, 
giving up his own life on a cross out of love for us, that we might go free, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might find a way back into the household of God. And, and the words of Isaiah come alive freshly when he says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Think of those nail wounds in the hands of Christ. The sign of the total commitment and the love that God has for you. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? She, he will never forget you. He will never stop loving you. And so pours his hope into you as well. So big idea number one, there's nothing quite so beautiful, powerful, and ultimately encouraging and influential upon uh, one's offspring as a mother's hope. And supremely the kind of hope that God uh, pours uh, through uh, the women of our lives. I would be really forgetting something, however, if I did not rush on to say that there are a lot of mothers who probably need hope given to them too. Um, in the pouring out process, I was talking uh, before the service to uh, uh, a mom who had, who had been through homeschooling three very energetic boys over the last couple of years. You know, and, and we were just talking about how wearying that experience has been. I'm sure joyful at times, but, but, but wearying. Uh, mothers need hope. They need to have the well of hope refilled uh, from time to time. Uh, raising kids, uh, no surprise, always been a rigorous journey, uh, hopefully a joyful one, but it's especially rigorous these days. Not long ago, the New York Times carried a, a, a headline, maybe you saw it, America's mothers are in crisis, is anyone listening to them? Uh, is anyone really listening to, to, to the heart cry of moms in America today. And then the article points to these other headlines from other stories that repeat this theme. Pandemic triples anxiety and depression symptoms in new mothers, one article said. Another one said, working moms are reaching the breaking point. Uh, almost 70% of mothers surveyed say that worry and stress have been damaging to their health in recent years. And, and the vast majority of people of these moms are saying that they know they need to exercise more self-care. They just have no idea where they're going to find the margin for that. They just, I mean, they know they should do it. People tell them to do it. And they're thinking, how do I pull it off? How do I pull it off? Which, which struck me as like a really big invitation to those of us who are dads and those of us who are kids that maybe beyond, you know, the card and the flowers and the candy and the brunch once a year, that maybe one of our regular commitments can be to somehow replace mom's pace with mom's space. Amen. That one of the best things we can do, yeah, amen. We've got support for this notion. I'm surprised it's just one of you. It should be... But, I mean, think about that. Just to boil that down for the rest of us that have moms in our lives, how do we give them space? Space to breathe, space to reflect, space to recover, uh, space to have the hope fill them again as they continue their ministry in our lives. I will say that, that even without the past two years, uh, mothers that I talk with say that being a mother is a, is a really mixed journey. 
when they're being ruthlessly honest. Um, it can definitely bring out the best in them, but can also bring out the worst in them in ways that are sort of hard to deal with. Uh, some of you will have heard um, the name John Ortberg, a popular Christian author and, and pastor. Uh, John is married to an equally wise and wonderful uh, partner, Nancy. And, and Nancy writes an, in an essay entitled, The Jekyll and Hyde of Motherhood. She writes the truth about this experience for herself. I just want to share this with you. And, and I want to ask if you can resonate with any of this. Um, Nancy says, when I became a mother, I found a noble Dr. Jekyll inside of me. Uh, for the first time, truly, there was a person in my life that I loved more than myself. I, I was doing unselfish things because I really wanted to. I, I was becoming a patient and kind, calm, reasonable, generous, thoughtful, loving person. And I thought, this is a very good thing. This person who is emerging in me, I, I, I like this. I love being a mom, she said. And then, over time, I found that there was this other person in there too that was coming out sometimes. And I wanted to say in those moments, who is she? How do I make her go away? At one time, says Ortberg, I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and an infant. The fussy baby clung to me like one of those baby monkeys that will not let go, you know, that grabs every nostril and, and just holds on all the time, will not let me uh, put the baby down. And, and, and while that baby did that, my toddler was unwinding the toilet paper and making decorations all over the house. And, 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 then, and then pulling books off of the shelves and like tearing pages out of the books as I'm just trying to manage the infant in my arms. And all this time, the three-year-old is saying, Mom, Mom, can we play Candyland? I hate Candyland, says Lord Park. There was this mound of very fragrant, dirty laundry. There was no food in the house. We absolutely had to go to the store. And so at the grocery store, I, I've got this baby clinging to me. I've got the toddler in the grocery cart going crazy. I've got the third one running up and down the aisles of the store creating havoc. And I have myself so, so occupied, I'm kicking a pad of diapers down the aisle of the store just to kind of get to the checkout line. Can you picture this? Have you been there, some of you? I thought... What am I doing with my life? I mean, look at me. I, just, I was fighting back the tears, she says. And I got back home somehow, and I unloaded the groceries, and I, I just let the ice cream melt on the counter. I was just, I wished I was an octopus. I wish I had more hands. Um, and then I took the kids to the park. I decided I'd take them to the park before rest time. The park is not a good place to go with three kids, she says. I mean, I just kept counting. One, two, three. I brought three. I got to take home three. And by the time I got home, I just hated myself. And I did not have good feelings about my children. And so I just threw them in their rooms. And there wasn't really rest time for them. And I just shut the door. And I just went into the garage. And I just cried. I was becoming an impatient, frazzled, angry, frustrated mom. I was splitting into these two people. 
And I, and I know not all moms are like that, she says. I, I know moms who are patient and kind towards their children almost all of the time. I admire them. I don't like them. <laughs> but I admire them, she says. It's just not me. Well, Nancy goes on to uh, marvel that, that God didn't abandon her in, in this time. And, and that God does not uh, abandon mom. You know, moms are still kids, grown up. They're, they're still ones that God looks at, like the child at the breast, with love and with hope and with interest. And, and as I was saying last week, um, you know, God is with us in the high times of life, but he is especially with us when we're low. Low, I am with you always. And, and, and if you're one of those mothers that just is beautifully gifted with a capacity to stay cool and chill and relaxed and loving and kind at all times and peaceful, you know, we're going to want to read your book so we can figure out how you're doing it. Bless you for that. But if you're one of those moms who has these really low points where the, the, the Mr. Hyde comes out, in a sense, of your life... Um, just remember that God sees that, 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 that God may want to transform that uglier part of you, but he's not giving up on you just because there's a hide in you. He sees the best in you. He's trying to lift that up. God has got great hope for you. He's got great hope for you. Um, have you ever thought about the battle that must have raged inside of Jesus at times. You know, theologians say about Jesus, he wasn't God who looked like a human being. He wasn't a human being that just had great godly qualities. Theologians believe that Jesus was fully human and fully divine, which is to say that there would have been these twin uh, dimensions and experiences and uh, orientations that, may, that were always interplaying and working together. So, so I wonder, I mean, did Jesus ever, I think of that night in which Jesus was betrayed and, 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 and he's washing the feet of his disciples and he gets to Judas. Is there some part of him that's thinking, I'm going to wash this man's feet even though. I'm going to show love and kindness to him even though. He's about to betray me. And is this other part of him saying, I'm going to break this guy's feet so he can go nowhere? <laughs> you know? When he's hanging on the cross, and, and he's, there's a part of him that's saying, Father, Father, I want to pray to you. Please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing here. It's just ignorance. Forgive them. And is there is there's other voice in, in him saying, Father, I just want to ask you to smite these bugs that are so ignorant that they would do something so horrible as what they're doing right here. When he's going along the, through life and he runs into yet one more hungry, one more hurting person, one more person needing care, and they're, and they're reaching out towards him, is there's part of him that says, I want to help this person? Is there another part of him that's saying, I just going to pass this one by. I, I just, I'm so weary. I'm so thirsty. 
I just got to have to get some rest. You know, the Bible doesn't give us a huge window into the psychology of Jesus. But the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us something really, really important that can help us surmise some of, uh, about this. And this is what the writer says. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus is the high priest, in a sense. He's the one, he's the go-between, uh, human beings and God. And, and, and this high priest, Hebrews says, is able to empathize. That means to feel with us in our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, tried, stretched in every way, just as we are, the scripture says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, says the writer, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So if you are a complicated creature, mom, or dad, or anybody else, if you're one of those complicated creatures, hear this really clearly. You can have hope because Jesus gets you. Jesus emphasizes or empathizes with the trials and the stresses and the stretch of your life. Jesus understands those temptations. He can feel that reality, and he has mercy and grace. He's got all the mercy and grace you need as you keep striving to be your best self. Have you ever heard it said that a mother is only as happy as her least happy child? That's really true, isn't it? I mean, you know, if we have even one kid that's, that's going through a hard time, you know, that, what's the thought that we rush to? You know, we just feel for that kid. If there's a child that's, that's not yet found the peace or the fulfillment or the place in the world that we want them to have, boy, that sits with us and that works on us. And we begin to feel like, in some cases, like we're just, we're failures as parents because we haven't been able to fix this for that kid or get that kid set up in a way that allows them uh, to, to go further. We maybe have sometimes we've got kids that, that we wish had a relationship with God, but they don't even go near churches. They don't even seem to be pursuing that dimension of life, which is actually something to think about on this Mother's Day if you're a kid. You know, your, your, your mom is still longing to see you Find peace. Find a relationship with God. Uh, you know, live into your full potential. She thinks about this a lot of the time. And, and I think even, you know, as we get older in life, we don't stop longing for, for these kinds of, 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 of growth steps in the lives of our children. Um, we just, we just want to see them have the best kind of life they can. I was talking with my mother recently. She's 85 years old. And I was describing this particularly challenging week I'd been going through. And, and she started saying things like, well, well, what if you made this change? Or, or, or what, if, you know, what if you asked for more help in, in that area of your life? Or, or what if you slowed down? Or what if you got more rest? And I just interrupted her in the conversation. I said, I said, Mom, you do know I'm 63 years old, Right? I mean, like, I get senior citizen discounts some places. <laughs> Mom, i got to figure this stuff out for myself. And she says, 
yeah, but I still worry about you. How many of you as parents have got somebody you're still worrying about? They may be very young. They, they, they may be far off in life. I don't know. But you're not crazy. You're not crazy to feel these things. This is what love does. Love empathizes. Love, love longs for the fulfillment of the potential of others. Uh, but what I guess I want to say to you today, you don't have to carry this alone. You, you don't have to worry about it 24-7 and carry that weight because somebody bigger than you is carrying it. Listen to the words of Scripture. The Apostle Paul tells us, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God is oriented towards reaching out and, and, and saving, rescuing, and redeeming everybody. That's his orientation. He wants everybody to grow in the knowledge of the truth. In fact, Jesus goes on and says at one point, if there's even one that's lost, even one that's not you know, sort of on the track that will lead to the best for them, um, they are to God like a, a sheep that's wandered off someplace. And he goes after that one. He will leave the 99 that are okay behind because his heart is absolutely focused on the one who's still lost. And when he finds that one, he will bring that one back and there will be more rejoicing over that one lost one that was found than the 99 that, that never got lost. And then Jesus concludes that teaching that he gives on this by saying, in the same way, your parent in heaven is not willing that even one of these little ones be lost. So here's the takeaway. As much as you want your family members, those people that you are worried about to thrive, God wants it more. Even more. You can be absolutely certain that God is at work to reach that child of whatever age, to renew that person in ways that she or he may need. You can have hope, moms, because God cares for the growth and salvation of your children more than you do. And he's at work, even as we're sitting here. He, he is at work through providence through the people he can move, through the circumstances he can arrange, through the influences he can bring to bear to try and renew and redeem and reach and refresh the life of that person. So, your prayers, your words, your actions, your cards, your texts, your phone calls, keep them coming. Those are important influences. But, but God is, is in this with you. He can reach them when they go off to college. He can reach them when they're in the far country. He can reach them when they're down in the pit. It might take those things. It might take the pit to sensitize and open the heart of some of these people, these children, in ways that are needed. But trust, he's not done being the heavenly parent that these loved ones need. So, go to bed tonight and sleep better. Sleep more soundly. Don't worry so much. Because God will be up all night anyway. 
The scripture says through the psalmist that he he who watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. And so as a pastor, I will say that I've heard a lot of parents share with me stories of great worry and anxiety over a particular child, a relationship that was broken, something that was going wrong. And I've been amazed over time how often the story turns out okay. Uh, How the breaches get healed, the growth finally happens, the heart eventually turns. Um, Trust in the Lord. He's working. He's working all the time for the people you love. You know, um, Mother's Day, as we said earlier in the service, is a complicated, emotionally a complicated day for, for a lot of people. I know that Mother's Day for my sister Lisa is always really bittersweet. Uh, my sis has, has three wonderful boys that have blessed her richly, source of great joy in her life. But she, but she doesn't go a day in her life, and especially not on Mother's Day, without also thinking of her daughter Carrie, who didn't make it. And so Mother's Day is hard for her. Um, I know many people in the life of this church and in a region around us for whom that is also true. Uh, they had a, a teenager, they had a young adult child um, who didn't make it. And it leaves a hole forever. Um, I think of my good friend Jeannie, um, my, what woman my mom calls her other mother, or my uh, wife calls her other mother. Jeannie, Jeannie's in her 80s now. She has a Christian faith, but she can't understand why two of her children aren't here anymore. They could never visit her in the home because they're just not there. They didn't make it either. Uh, she lost one very recently. There are so many moms and dads and siblings and others who know this kind of pain. Um, in fact, I would suggest that, it, that the fellowship of people who have stood with Mary at the foot of the cross and saw the, that child go, uh, that is one of the most heroic, significant fellowships in the life of our church family and, and the region around us. And if you're one of those people and you haven't yet Uh, found others who know this with you, I want to urge you to look into the ministry of Ian's place in Clarendon Hills, founded by a family in this church who lost a son, Ian. And and I want to encourage you to seek out the kind of fellowship that can only help because it's people who know what it is, who who can empathize from experience with what you may be going through. But I also want you to remember, if you can try and hold on to this, that beyond the cross, beyond the place of loss, there is an empty tomb. There is a sign of something more. I'm a a fan of of, uh, adventure and some of these fantasy um, books. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen uh, or read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Some of you will be familiar with that. Uh, but there's this really unforgettable moment in, in, the, in the last of those uh, books in which the, the little hobbit Frodo is in conversation with uh, the great wizard Gandalf. And, and Frodo has now seen a lot of, of, of loss and, and pain and darkness and evil 
on the move in the world, but there's been something inside of him that just has dared to believe that, there's, that, 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 that evil doesn't win in the end, that there's going to be a, a, a different kind of conclusion to the story. And so Frodo, who, who, who looks up so much to Gandalf in every way, asks him and says, Gandalf, is everything sad going to become untrue? And Gandalf looks down tenderly into Frodo's imploring eyes. And he says, yes, Frodo. There are other forces at work in this world besides the will of evil. And that was Tolkien's way of trying not to be just like Pollyanna positive in light of all the hurt that is still part of the journey of life. But J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy, was a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Actually, he led C.S. Lewis, helped to lead C.S. Lewis to faith. And Tolkien had read to the end of the story, the biblical story, and he knew there was coming a day, as Revelation chapter 21 says, when Christ says, I make everything new. Behold, I am making everything new. And Tolkien was certain there was coming a day where, where all of the mysteries of suffering and loss in this life would be unraveled. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Death is going to get swallowed up in life. Paul says elsewhere. And for my sister and, and for Jeannie and maybe for you and certainly for many of the other people we know who have lost a loved one in an agonizing way, there is going to come a day if they put their trust in Christ when, when, when it will be as if the sad things never happened. They will be undone by the redemption of God, by his renewal of all things. And you will awake one morning to, 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 to a day of such stunning renewal and joyful reunion and your grief will simply dissipate like the morning mist before the sun and you'll laugh and you'll feel joy and you'll be basking in the conquering love and purposes of God and you must hold on to that hope Mothers, have hope because God has not yet shown you all the good that he has in store. So let me summarize what we've been talking about and then let you go. I pray that you who are such givers of hope to others will take some hope for yourself today in these important ideas. First, even when the hide in you emerges, have confidence. Jesus understands you. And he has the mercy and grace that you need as you keep trying to become the person you want to be. And as his spirit empowers you for that. Secondly, if it ever feels like you have failed as a mom, you just weren't able to get it done, you weren't able to make it happen for that child, 
then dare to trust that God cares for the growth and the salvation of that child as much as you do, even more than you do, and that he is still at work. Trust that. He's still at work. And finally, if you've lost one of those kids, uh, and, they're, and they're forever now, it appears beyond your reach, remember, God has not shown you all the good he has in store. And how sweet the reunion. How glorious the redemption that awaits you one day. And dads and kids, here's the message for us. We need to replace mom's pace with more mom's space so that she's got some margin to even think about these things we've been talking about today. And and to let her heart feel again what she needs to keep ministering with a mother's hope. Would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you so much for these mothers you put in our life who gave us life, who gave us love, maybe even faith and hope. We know that in their giving, however great or small, they were reflecting you. Consciously or unconsciously, you whose love and hope never fails. So Lord, would you, would you encourage the mothers in our midst today and would you wrap your arms around those of them who await us in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.